Hello everyone, Mike Ludwig with Truth Out Here. Welcome to Climate Frontlines. As usual, I'm coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, where Mardi Gras was freezing cold last week and of course mostly canceled due to COVID. We had some power shortages in Louisiana, but the situation was much worse for our neighbors in Texas, where millions of homes lost power and water service during the brutal winter storm that froze much of the country and left dozens of people dead. Scientists saw signs of climate change in the winter storm. Warming temperatures in the Arctic are disrupting weather systems and pushing colder air into other parts of the world. We are clearly not ready for this. I've lived in the North and South, and I don't know if people realize that many homes in Southern Texas and Louisiana, for example, are not insulated like homes up North. It takes a lot of energy to heat a house, and the deregulated energy grids in Texas could not handle the demand during the Arctic blast, causing deadly blackouts that left people without heat in frigid temperatures for days. The climate crisis is colliding with a housing crisis that was a problem before the pandemic, but is now exploding as millions fall behind on rent. In Texas, more than 27,000 people experienced homelessness last year, a 5% increase from the year before, according to the Texas Homeless Network. Despite a federal quote-unquote moratorium on evictions, activists in Texas were already fighting to keep people in their homes before the winter storm hit. I wanted to learn more about how people came together to survive as temperatures plunged and the power went out. So on Friday, I spoke with Cooper Festi, an organizer with a tenants union called Dallas Stops Evictions in Dallas, Texas. So... Dallas Stops Evictions, we've, we started organizing with tenants and the houseless community. So we've sort of had, we sort of have two, two different fronts. Um, and that's also reflected in what we've been doing since the storm started. There's a, a camp called Camp Rhonda that we, we helped, uh, residents of, a people just houseless, the houseless community near, uh, shelter in Dallas who, uh, you know, couldn't get in, didn't want to get in for multiple reasons. Um, and so that had been a regular occurrence where we'd, we'd uh, you know, be out there with them, help them um, set up, set up uh, mailbox uh, tents. We did a tent drive, uh, community areas and, so that's that we've we've had that connection with the houseless community near the Austin Street Shelter in Dallas. And from there, basically whenever the, the right before the winter storm, it was being threatened with um with being uh swept up by the the city. So that that had already been, you know, people had already been organizing to to help that community. Um so once this happened, people had already known about Camp Ronda. We were immediately able to get all all the the residents who wanted to go to a hotel to into a hotel um, for from last Sunday until you know this next upcoming Saturday. So a good amount of time, I believe it was last Sunday. But yeah, so we got a bunch of donations to to get the residents of Camp Ronda into into how into uh, hotels. And that was about 23 residents. Um, a lot of them stayed back, and we set up a warming center at the camp with, uh, you know, like insulated tents um, and uh, you know heating machines 
So, and then also we did, you know, kept doing food, like food don't, and uh, clothes drives, um, getting people out there. So that's sort of what we've been doing on the, the, that front. Cause I, like I said, there's, there's two different fronts we're on basically with tenant and houseless organizing. Right. I'm interested. There's so many intersections here. There's houseless organizing, there's tenants organizing, and we have this climate change connected winter storm mm-hmm. that, that has been so damaging. Yeah. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot to talk about basically. Um, but yeah, so that that has been done as the you know, the Dallas Houseless Committee. It's there's a lot of different organizations working on that as well with Dallas Stops Evictions with the Camp Ronda stuff. Yeah, could you could you tell me a little bit about the kind of network of mutual aid groups that have set, something like they're coordinating together in response to the storm? Yeah, we we've definitely been coordinating together, and yeah, we're coordinated in this Dallas Houseless Committee as well. But then we're also operating, you know, wider than just that. Um, and doing there's there's feed the people DFW who's they've been getting food out to everyone, um, yeah they've been getting a lot of donations and putting it to good use. Um, and then there's North Texas Rural Resistance or Re- Rural Resilience, um, who's been you know who's a mutual aid organization that also works with the Dallas Houseless Committee. Um, there's the Funky Town Fridge in Fort Worth. Um, we haven't really worked with them, but they're, yeah, we're, we're Dowsland Fort Worth basically. Um, and then, yeah, there's like Not My Son, um, Harvest Project. Uh, let me think of some of the, uh, the Dallas Harm Reduction Association uh, or initiative. Um, there's so many different organizations involved. Um, and me personally, I'm, I'm more on the, uh, I'm more head up the the tenant organizing. So this is uh, I've I've had to shift over a little bit to that to that front as well. But so I'm I'm learning a lot more about that as well. But basically, there's a ton of organizations doing mutual aid work and getting a lot of food out there. Tenants organizing is so important. There's also a lot of eviction resistance here in New Orleans. There's also mm-hmm. people organizing in a similar way to support people who are camped out who cannot get into a shelter, who don't want to get into a shelter, and are, are constantly under threat from being kicked out of where they live by the police. And of course, people who are housed are also under threat of being kicked out by landlords, even with this eviction moratorium uh, from the Centers for Disease Control. We've still seen evictions all over mm-hmm. the country. And this storm kind of shows why that is so dangerous, especially during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can speak to a little bit of your tenants organizing and what you've experienced since the storm hit, like what the weather has been like. And, and if this is like driven home the, so much, um, it's kind of like driven home why tenants need to be organized together. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely uh, speak to that. So we've been getting, you know, a lot of the conditions that we're seeing, uh, you know, burst pipes, um, you know, flooding because uh, yeah, if you've if like you've seen, there's a bunch of burst pipes all over Dallas, the state of Texas. Um, just I don't I, I guess it's caused by you know changes in air pressure um, or water pressure. Like large pipes, right? Not just like pipes in people's homes. Like yeah, literally, water pipes. Lots of people have lost water. Okay. Yeah, just uh, ridiculous amounts of flooding. Um, 
there's a bunch of different people, you know, multiple people in Dallas Tops evictions whose whose houses and apartments have been flooded. Um, and just um, you can see, like, if you've seen that picture of the ceiling fan with the, the dripping icicles in Austin, um, that was most likely caused by um, flooding that and then it, it froze up. Basically, people's roofs are just leaking because upstairs, you know, different neighbors, different people who've had to, you know, maybe vacant apartments who of people have been evicted or people seeking shelter elsewhere because their power's out. They're, if their water's not dripping or, you know, they're not home, uh, a lot of a lot of the these these um, this flooding and leaking and burst pipes is because people are, aren't aren't in their apartment and so the people downstairs like yeah like multiple people they've been like yeah my my upstairs neighbor is at home uh, the pipe burst everything is flooding I, I have no idea what to do um, no one really knows what to do and the the systems in place the emergency emergency management. Uh, or the emergency system, you know, landlords and apartment complexes have in place don't really work. Um, they're not responsive. And that's because they, you know, they, it's not really profitable for, for landlords to emergent, uh, uh, to, you know, immediately respond to different emergencies. But, but yeah, so we're, we're seeing the importance of tenant unions. And that we've we've been able to work with our tenant unions to distribute distribute water, um, see what's going on at a, at their apartments. You know, people are like, we you know we have Google Forms for all the tenants at the at Oaks at Five Mile we, and uh, Rolling Hills Place. So we have you know we we distribute Google Forms to fill out you know what they're dealing with, um, and then we assess what we need to get over there. And, you know, the tenants help distribute because, you know, we're trying to build, uh, work with tenant leaders as well. Not just, you know, we're not just representing tenants. We're, we're um, building tenants or we're working with tenants who want to fight in the struggle for better housing beyond just their apartment complex. So we've, yeah, that's, that's the importance of, of tenant organizing that we've seen so far is, is that the tenants are, have been, you know, helping each other out, you know, seeing, we've been seeing if they have, if like maybe they're one of the few places in the apartment that has uh, hot water, has power or something, you know, uses a charging station, um, you know, be a, be a, uh, like a shower for people to take showers there. And, and yeah, so yeah, but beyond the, beyond the winter storm, there's just so much, so much um just abuse and just disgusting uh housing situations in south dallas and with the eviction moratorium there's a there's a judge in south dallas who just doesn't doesn't say like say like basically just ignores it and um i could just go on and on about about all the disgusting things happening in dallas with evictions with Pipes, mold, um, leaks, uh, no power, no heat. People had been uh, at Oaks at Five Mile. They'd been they'd been you know weeks without. This is an apartment heat. complex. Yes, this is an apartment complex in South Dallas in Oak Cliff. They were without heat for weeks up until the storm. Yeah, they. I mean, they've 
like I've been telling people, they've been people that we've been working with uh, before this have been facing these conditions even before they've been facing floods, flooded apartments. They've been facing a uh, cut off power, cut off, cut off water uh, with no, you know, with no uh, relief from the landlord. Um, so yeah, we've been seeing these conditions even before the storm. We've been seeing yeah, power cut off, water cut off, mold leaks, floods, um, you name it. And so the storm basically exacerbated already existing conditions and inequalities in housing. Sounds like there's a lot of landlords that um, need to be held accountable. That's very difficult to do mm-hmm. under laws in Louisiana and Texas um, for people who aren't in Louisiana or Texas. We have some of the fewest tenant protections in the whole country. Mm-hmm. This is by design. We have right-wing legislatures. It's very difficult to hold your landlord accountable. In Louisiana, you can't even withhold rent mm-hmm. if your apartment is flooding or if there's damage. If you withhold rent, you can be evicted, and that's it. I, I assume it's a similar situation in Texas, but it sounds like this tenants union not only is a conduit for mutual aid during this disaster, it also can kind of set the grounds for starting to hold landlords accountable. Yeah, um, it definitely is the same in in Texas. So we've been, you know, we've uh, had press conferences where we, we, you know, first we formed a list of demands such as, you know, uh, fix all apartment units, stop all the evictions. Um you know, all the, all the things that need to be done there. And so we've been, you know, we've been harassing, uh, the landlord a little bit and, uh, um, calling him, texting him. We got it, found his number, we found his address and, uh, we gave him, you know, a couple, we gave him like a month to address these issues. He still, he still hasn't replied to anything. You know, we've been messaging him, um, on Facebook as well. Um, you know, blasting his, his face across social media as well. Um, the landlord for which apartments? Um, Oaks at Five Mile. Oaks at Five. And how many people do you think live there? Probably about seventy uh, units are occupied. There's a ton of vacancies there. Um, yeah, there's. I think you know it's it's the beginning stages of not the beginning stages of gentrification, but you know we're seeing seeing possibly that taking shape with with how many people there. They're um, getting out of there while also fixing up the apartments when they leave, but not fixing up the apartments of the tenants that are already living there. Um, but yeah, about 70 people. And so just, and even beyond that apartment building, what is the situation on the ground now? What are people living through at the moment? Um, people are living through at, at Oaks or uh, generally across Dallas. Generally across Dallas. Um, yeah, they're basically living through burst pipes, which has caused flooding. And so there's people that are, they can't get out of their, they can't like, they don't have anywhere to go. There's people who don't drive. Um, one of the tenants we work with, uh, her mom uh, has, her apartment was flooded, but she has nowhere to go. Um, and she's been in the cold, uh, you know, without power, without heat for a couple of days. Um, we've been scrambling to get, get a hotel room. And that's just one example of just people in the cold, 
people in their in a flooded apartment. Um, no no water, so we've been and also boil water uh, advisories have been have been out for a while now, which is you know hard without power. But yeah, the water the water treatment plants have been down, um, so we've had to boil our water or drink uh, you know uh, bottled water. So we've been, you know, rushing to get bottled water out to people. Um, people at the grocery stores are, you know, pretty empty. There's, there's still not rolling blackouts, just blackouts. And yeah, people are really struggling. There's, there's just a lot of, just a lot of terrible stuff. I, I think that's, that about sums it up. Who, I mean, who do you look at to blame here? Do you, do you all see as a union, do you see, I mean, obviously landlords have created these conditions in the first place and you've mm-hmm. been fighting that. But even beyond landlords, there's huge housing inequality um, in Texas, in the South. And also it, it seems like the, the energy grid and the utilities mm-hmm. in, in, in Texas particularly just could not stand up to this storm and it, it you know and these storms do happen there this one seems to be exacerbated by climate change but it does get cold in the winter sometimes in the south mm-hmm. what, what other systemic issues do you all see at play um yeah we we've discussed it we we see capitalism as the the issue we see the the lack of infrastructure in place to address uh, emergencies like this and all of that being done all that lack of infrastructure is because it's not profitable and we're seeing that you know the state is the state's on its own power grid um because it's not because it can you know it doesn't have to deal with the the national regulation or federal regulations um so we see that as for profit as um you know specifically a way to entice entice uh you know power plant investors, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, we've also seen the greed of the greed of ERCOT, which has, has had countless, countless, um, I would think it was like five, five, uh, executives have faced, have faced, uh, prison time. Let me, let me try to pull this up, but yeah, about five have faced prison time. For, this is the utility company. Um, this is the Energy Reliability uh, Council of Texas. It's it's supposedly a nonprofit, but they've made nearly two hundred thirty-two million dollars in revenue, um, you know, annually, basically. But this is a this basically a um, it's supposed to oversee energy. In, in Texas because of a disaster back in the 60s that caused, you know, people to be like, we need, you know, we need some oversight. Um, but that hasn't changed anything. It's it's a board of director, directors made up of uh, power industry representatives. Most of them live outside Texas. Um, so this is a little tangent, but, um, but yeah, they've seen five of their employees all the way up to the chief information officer uh, sent to prison for fake billing schemes. Um, but they, they're one, they're the only reliability council, energy reliability council in the, the, the country that has, you know, immunity. They have, they have the power of, you know, like sovereign immunity or something like that. Um, and they, 
So they're they're to blame as well. But we see in them that like even even ensuring the reliability of energy is is uh motivated by profit. Um this is the result of years of private excuse me, privatization. Yes. And and a free market attitude toward things that everyone needs. Everyone mm. needs stable housing. Everyone needs clean water. Everyone needs energy. Mm-hmm. And in Texas, we see this kind of extreme version of, of privatizing all these things or, or putting them in the hands of private industry, which is kind of the Republican pipe dream. And of course, Republicans run the state. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing a connection here between that general policy direction and what people are now suffering through on the ground. Yes, exactly. Um, and a, a good, another good example of that, um, is a tragic, you know, event that happened even before, before the snow came down when it was just ice. It was like, I believe it was last Sunday in, in Fort Worth. We didn't, we didn't salt the roads. The Texas department of transportation decided, you know, they didn't want to salt the roads. Um, there's 135 car, uh, pile up and, uh, six people died. It was, it was, you know, the most disturbing, you know, images that, that you could see coming out of, coming out of social media. You'd see all these cars piled up. It was, you know, it was exactly a, a disaster, you know, produced by, by just wanting, by cutbacks, by privatization, um, and by not wanting to, to do public services, basically. Do you feel like mutual aid, I know that you all are, are different groups, often mutual aid groups and tenants unions are small grassroots organizations, but do you see like the mutual aid that's happening right now in response to this and was happening before this as, as providing a meaningful alternative to people to um, what the system is able to provide or not provide? Um, at least, yeah, for, for now, just because of how how little the state of Texas is willing to provide for its people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's racing class consciousness. We're, we're, you know, at, at every turn we're exposing, um, the greed of, of the state and the, the system for what it is and why it's caused this. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely shown not only an alternative, but, uh, you know, a way towards an alternative system, one that, that actually, you know, does this does this stuff on a state level. That um, you know, a socialist state, which would actually provide for its people, which is what you know, Dallas Stops Evictions is is all about. We're a formation comprised of different socialist organizations. But but yeah, we've but we don't believe it's you know it's capable of actually providing mutual aid. Isn't capable of actually providing for all the needs of the people that that requires. Um, that requires a state, which, which is um, run by working people, which has the the interest of working people in mind, and uh, and that's not what Texas is. But that that's what I mean. That's what it, what it requires to to actually get people housed, get people food during these disasters. Have have power. Have you know salted roads. Have transportation to warming centers. Um, which yeah, we've seen none of that. Um, so I, but the, the bottom line, I think for me is that, um, and from, you know, what we've, what we've discussed as a tenant union is, you know, mutual aid isn't enough. Um, it'll, it'll take a, 
an entire shift in in the system. It'll take a basically it'll take a revolution to to actually meet the needs of the people. Um, this is just you know survival pending revolution. Sure. Right. I mean, we see mutual. We often talk about mutual aid disaster relief, where we see these like really heroic acts of mutual aid mm-hmm. in the Gulf South, in Texas, all over the world when disasters strike. And really, it's people filling in those gaps that the system has left for us. And then yeah. disaster strikes, and all of the weaknesses in that system are just automatically exposed. And 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 my last question, because I've been reporting on this, and this is very related to climate. We can't separate housing from climate, obviously. I mean, the disaster Mm -hmm. that you are living through right now shows that we cannot separate housing from climate. And you are Dallas Stops Evictions. You've been fighting evictions, even though there has been supposedly a federal moratorium on evictions due to the COVID pandemic. The idea is we we don't want people losing their housing at a time when social distancing is necessary to save lives. Yet that has been what's happening across the country what has your work looked like in that area since the pandemic began? And you mentioned a judge earlier. Um, yeah, it's been it's been hard um, just with this one judge because we're mostly in South Dallas, um, Oak Cliff area, um, but but largely South Dallas, where it's you know mostly Black and Brown communities, um, historically Black communities, um, and that's where a lot of the the abuse and neglect has been taking place. Um, and Judge Jones, Justice of the Peace 1-1 in Dallas, he's been carrying out hundreds of evictions a week. Um, he's making up his own rules. Nowhere nowhere on the um, on the CDC moratorium does it say you have to have, have proof that you lost your job due to, uh, due to COVID. Um, it just says you have to have lost payment, lost, um, you know, income. But, uh and you know we even have little documentation that shows like you know we sign off on uh on what we qualify for you know lost lost job lost payment um all the all the different things to to qualify for the moratorium but uh multiple times he's like this this document of job loss of income loss doesn't say due to covid um and he's evicted people based on that and he's evicted people based on similar little little rules that he just makes up that other courts and uh you know the cdc moratorium itself doesn't doesn't say um so basically you know it's a bunch of illegal stuff um i mean that's very real i mean one of the gaping holes in the cdc moratorium is that if you face eviction first of all a landlord can still try to evict you mm -hmm. and that's terrifying that can throw a family into crisis and to avoid that eviction, you have to fill out your own paperwork, mm-hmm. cite the CDC eviction, and present it to court. So landlords can still harass people. They can still threaten people. They can still move to kick people out of their homes. And if people don't have the resources um, or even the time to, to fight back, they can lose their homes during a pandemic. And so I imagine this has been what's been playing out with, with Judge Jones is, is just is that vulnerable people who are unable to to call on the moratorium in a legal way, he's just finding whatever loophole to kick them out. Yeah, basically. Um, and also, yeah, people are self-evicting because because they get the eviction notice and, and then the landlord texts them, like, you better be out in two days. Um, 
and they don't know what to do. So they, a lot of people leave. We've had to stop a lot of people from leaving uh, multiple times. People call us like, I'm all packed up. Um, what do I do? And like, you're, you can't uh, be evicted unless you go through the courts and we will be with you through the court process. Um, we'll, we've been helping tenants out, uh, filling out the forms and making sure they qualify for the eviction moratorium and, you know, connecting them with lawyers and stuff. So, so yeah, we've definitely seen people being harassed by landlords, um, trying to get them to self evict. And that would not be a problem if, if the moratorium actually, you know, said you couldn't file for eviction, but you can. And there was a huge amount of pressure after president Biden took office to improve that moratorium, he didn't. The CDC mm-hmm. did not strengthen it. They just extended how long it would be in place, which at this point is until March. And Biden pretty much said, if it's going to be strengthened, it has to be done by Congress. And obviously, Congress has not agreed on another relief package yet. That's still up for debate. You are currently right now, you and your organization and other organizations are trying to help people get housed, get them into hotels. Um, if necessary, how can people help your effort? Um, well, they can donate. Uh, our, our cash app is, you know, money sign, uh, Dallas stops evictions, but, but we're, we're also looking for, for volunteers. People have been calling us. Uh, it's been really cool seeing people call us and being like, Hey, how can I help? Um, and we've been, you know, trying to direct people to, to different uh, different places that need need um, assistance, that need uh, you know we've gotten some people to to drive over to Oaks to other apartment complexes with with the resources that are needed over there with um, so yeah basically that and uh, you know look out for different campaigns we might we might um, you know follow us on all of our Instagram or all of our social media or Dallas stops evictions. Um, so uh, look out for different campaigns we might come out of this, such as, you know, campaigns to cancel the rent, to, uh, you know, make the make energy public um, during or after this crisis. Um, and there's also the home guarantee. Have you have you uh, that kind of fits into some of the things you were saying earlier? There's a push right now for the federal government to build new public housing that's not mm-hmm. in a discriminatory way and, and guarantee homes for anyone who needs them at a reasonable price. Um, that's actually something that I've been seen pushed out of the tenants union in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that is something that you all have looked at as well or see the need for. Yes, definitely. We have, you know, thousands of vacant apartments, vacant um, units across Dallas and it's, um, yeah, we we've every step of the way we've called for housing the the houseless in these vacant apartments, these vacant units, um, and vacant homes. Um, but that is definitely something necessary that we're, you know, we're probably going to be looking into um, to add to a, a growing list of demands we want to make. Well, thanks so much for telling us about the mutual aid in response to the winter storm in Texas, and I hope you can stay as warm as possible. Yeah, yeah, you too. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on and let me talk about this. Truthout's independent news and analysis is free to anyone with an internet connection. We never have ads or paywalls. 
To support our mission, please go to truthout.org slash donate. You can also support this podcast by liking, sharing, and subscribing. We'll be back next month with more stories from the front lines of the climate crisis. Thanks for listening.